an overview of retinoblastoma and enucleation in pediatric patients by Rachel LeClaire and Jennifer Olin. Abstract. Retinoblastoma is a rare malignancy of the eye affecting children, most commonly four years old and younger. Although chemotherapy and radiation treatment aim to spare the eye, in some cases, enucleation, that is, removal of the eye, is required to prevent cancer metastases or recurrence. Enucleation procedures are primarily performed at specialty institutions and may involve the surgical placement of an implant in the orbit of the eye. Unique perioperative considerations are required because of the age of the child at the time of the diagnosis and procedure and the involvement of a parent or caregiver who will be caring for the child postoperatively. This article presents an overview of retinoblastoma and enucleation and discusses the care and management of the unique patient population undergoing enucleation. Retinoblastoma is a rare pediatric malignancy that requires surgical enucleation, that is, removal of the eye, for patients with advanced disease. Enucleation procedures may have physiological and psychosocial sequelae, including risk for extraocular dissemination, distress, and body image concerns. The age-adjusted annual incidence of retinoblastoma for children 0 to 4 years old in the United States is approximately 1 in 14,000 to 18,000 live births. Given the low incidence rate of the disease, enucleation procedures are performed at specialized sites throughout the country, including comprehensive cancer centers and specialty centers. This article presents an overview of retinoblastoma, including its pathophysiology and treatment options, and discusses perioperative nursing implications for the care of patients undergoing surgical intervention, that is, enucleation, for this disease. Retinoblastoma, Overview and Diagnosis Retinoblastoma, which can occur in one or both eyes, originates in the retina, and can evolve to include the optic nerve and choroid. After invading these structures, the disease often metastasizes to the central nervous system. If the retinoblastoma is untreated, it can metastasize to the brain within one or two years of diagnosis. Retinoblastoma presents in children and is diagnosed before two years of age in approximately 66% of cases. Clinical manifestations most commonly include leukocoria, that is, abnormal white reflection observed in photos of the child, strabismus, that is, misalignment of the eye because of eye muscle dysfunction, rubiosis iridis, that is, formation of small blood vessels on the surface of the iris, hypopion, that is, accumulation of pus in the anterior chamber, hyphema, that is, pooling of the blood in the anterior chamber, Buphthalmus, that is, enlarged globe. Orbital cellulitis, that is, infection of soft tissues of the eye. And exophthalmia, that is, protrusion of the eyeball. Diagnosis of retinoblastoma primarily relies on imaging techniques, such as magnetic resonance imaging and high-frequency ultrasound. Using these imaging technologies, Physicians can view the depth of invasion and stage of the cancer to determine the appropriate treatment. A hallmark of retinoblastoma 
is calcification. Ultrasound allows physicians to see this calcification with greater than 92.5% accuracy. Tumor classification. Retinoblastoma treatment depends on tumor classification at diagnosis, which should include a prognosis for both globe salvage, that is grouping, and survival, that is staging. Several classification systems exist and have evolved with the progression of treatment options. Providers generally use one of two standard instruments to classify retinoblastoma tumors. The International Intraocular Retinoblastoma Classification, IIRC, or the Tumor Node Metastasis Staging System, 8th edition. The IIRC assigns tumors to one of five groups based on the size and location of the tumor, the presence of subretinal fluid, and the presence and location of seeds. If there is greater than 3 millimeters of choroidal invasion and the optic nerve is invaded, providers usually assign the fifth, most extensive classification to the disease, and the patient will likely undergo enucleation and systemic chemotherapy afterward because of his or her risk for metastatic disease. The Tumor Node Metastasis Staging System, 8th edition, is one of the most accurate systems for predicting eye salvage, metastasis, and death. It includes both intra- and extraocular tumors and heritability in its staging. Retinoblastoma treatment. The goal of retinoblastoma treatment is to cure the child, preferably while sparing vision. Although surgical intervention, specifically enucleation, has been the traditional therapeutic approach, treatment plans have increasingly focused on ocular salvage using systemic, intraarterial, and intravitreal chemotherapy, cryotherapy, thermotherapy, plaque radiation therapy, or external beam radiation therapy. Disease management depends on bilateral versus unilateral presentation. Patients with bilateral presentation, occurring in approximately one-third of cases and presenting with the highest risk for vision loss, have historically been treated with bilateral enucleation, unilateral enucleation with chemotherapy or external beam radiation treatment management of the less affected eye, or systemic chemotherapy. Most recently, practitioners have been using bilateral ophthalmic artery chemosurgery, that is, intraoperative intraarterial chemotherapy, which offers ocular salvage, low toxicity, and a less than 1% risk for metastatic death, but may put children at risk for developing second cancers. Chemotherapy Approaches There are several chemotherapeutic options for the treatment of retinoblastoma, including IV, intraarterial, and intravitreal chemotherapies. The goal of chemotherapy is to reduce tumor size. Intravenous chemotherapy is systemic. Practitioners use it for patients who are less than four months old at diagnosis, in bilateral cases, and when they suspect invasion of the optic nerve and choroid. Systemic IV chemotherapy also may be indicated in the presence of optic nerve thickening or extrascleral extension. Intravenous chemotherapy comprises a combination of carboplatin, vincristine, and etoposide administered monthly for six to nine months. For intraarterial chemotherapy, the surgeon uses fluoroscopy to guide a catheter through the ophthalmic artery and administers one or two medications. For example, 
Melphalan Topotecan. Generally, the surgeon performs this monthly for three months. Ideal candidates for intraarterial chemotherapy are patients older than four months, patients with unilateral disease, and patients with recurrent disease who have already received IV chemotherapy. Intraarterial chemotherapy has proven efficacious, with superior outcomes related to orbital recurrence and death compared with the nucleation in a single-center retrospective review. As studies continue to show the efficacy of this treatment approach, intraarterial chemotherapy may delay progression of treatment to enucleation and reduce the frequency of enucleations. Providers only employ intravitreal chemotherapy when vitreous seeds are present and not responding to IV therapy or are recurrent. Intravitreal chemotherapy involves injections of melphalan into the affected eye either weekly or monthly for a total of three to six injections. Enucleation Enucleation is the removal of the affected eye and a portion of the optic nerve and can be either a primary or secondary treatment for retinoblastoma. Enucleation is indicated for both intra- and extraocular disease that is advanced, recurrent, or metastatic. Primary enucleation is used to treat unilateral intraocular retinoblastoma. Secondary enucleation is indicated when conservative treatment has failed or in the presence of tissical, for example, wasting, shrinking, non-functioning, eyes after high-dose chemotherapy. Often this procedure includes placing an implant in the orbit that is attached to the existing ocular muscles to take the place of the eye, which allows the implant to move like the natural eye. At our facility, enucleation procedures are approximately one to three hours in duration, and patients are administered general anesthesia. Enucleations are sterile procedures. The RN circulator preps the operative site with ophthalmic povidone iodine solution, and the surgeon or scrub person drapes the patient with a cataract drape. The surgeon uses a speculum to hold the upper and lower eyelids open to expose the operative site, that is, globe. He or she then makes an incision where the cornea and sclera intersect and dissects the conjunctiva to expose and isolate the extraocular muscles, which hold the eye in place and allow it to move. The surgeon disinserts the extraocular muscles from the globe and cuts the optic nerve. Placing the patient in reverse Trendelenburg's position or administering hypotensive anesthesia before cutting the optic nerve may help reduce bleeding. The surgeon then removes the eye and packs the orbit with gauze to stop the bleeding and reduce the risk of hematoma formation. He or she then may place an implant and suture it in place. If the surgeon does not use an implant, he or she may apply a pressure eye patch dressing at the end of the procedure that the patient wears for 24 hours. Prosthetic Options and Placement There are several types of eye implants available, including hydroxyapatite and acrylic. Porous implants, that is hydroxyapatite, permit blood vessels and tissue to grow into the implant, which prevents it from migrating. Hydroxyapatite implants are similar to human bone and have a low rejection rate because of their porosity. Acrylic implants are less expensive than their hydroxyapatite counterparts. However, they are not porous, which leads to increased chances of the implant migrating or extruding. To ensure the correct implant size, 
Surgeons at our facility measure the patient's orbit after removing the eye and place temporary orbital sizers. After placing the implant, the surgeon often covers it with tissue, for example, donor sclera, attaches each of the extraocular muscles to the implant, and then closes the conjunctive and deeper tissue layers, typically with a small polyglycolic acid suture, for example, 7O. The surgeon may place a plastic shield, that is, conformer, in the socket to reduce swelling and permit the underlying structures to heal. At the end of the procedure, a tarsorophy, that is, a partial or complete suturing together of the eyelids, is performed to reduce swelling and to keep the lid closed for approximately one week until the operative site has healed. At our facility, the RN circulator applies a generous amount of ophthalmolic antibiotic ointment, eye pads, and a metal eye shield over the operative site. Patients are generally discharged the day after surgery and scheduled for an outpatient appointment to have dressings and tarsorophy sutures removed approximately one week after surgery. The patient's parents or caregivers may choose to meet with an ocularist to have a custom prosthesis designed and placed over the orbital implant after the operative site has fully healed. Postoperative Physiological and Psychosocial Sequelae Physiologically, there are both acute and long-term potential complications of enucleation, for example, bleeding, infection. Postoperative complications resulting from implants include exposure, rejection, migration, and problems related to orbital volume deficit. After the procedure, the surgeon typically prescribes oral antibiotics for one week and topical antibiotic application for two weeks for the patient. During the postoperative period at our facility, a perianesthesia nurse manages the patient's pain and nausea and teaches the patient's parents or caregivers how to care for the surgical site, including how to apply topical antibiotics and recognize signs of infection. Manipulation of the extraocular muscles can cause nausea for a few days after the procedure, which the anesthesia professional can address by prescribing antiemetics as necessary. Psychologically, retinoblastoma patients who undergo enucleation can harbor feelings of anger, resentment, and anxiety over the loss of their eye. Transitioning from binocular to monocular vision can be a difficult adjustment, and children may have problems performing regular activities, such as picking something up off a table, which can make them feel clumsy and frustrated until they learn to compensate for their vision loss. Arranging access to support groups and psychologists in the community may help patients cope with this change. In adulthood, survivors of retinoblastoma do not appear to have significantly worse quality of life than their healthy peers. However, they do have higher rates of depression, somatization, distress, and anxiety compared with their siblings. Because of the genetic link associated with the occurrence of retinoblastoma, survivors also have expressed concerns about having children themselves because of the risk for the occurrence of the disease in their own children. The procedural aspect of the enucleation also can have a psychological effect on patients, particularly when they receive repeated intraocular injections in preparation for surgery, which can result in increased anxiety because of the anticipation of repeated and potentially painful procedures. This is concerning 
given the risk for long-term psychological sequelae in this patient population. Using an age-appropriate approach, that combines communication and education for patients and their caregivers in the preoperative stage, has been shown to reduce anxiety. It is important for the perioperative nurse to consider that the parents or caregivers of the child are experiencing similar feelings. Parents of children with retinoblastoma have reported that the removal of the eye is more difficult than the knowledge of a cancer diagnosis. Treatment Outcomes In a review of survival rates for patients with retinoblastoma, researchers found that children diagnosed in their first year of life were more likely to survive than children diagnosed between the ages of one and three years. However, there was no significant difference in mortality for children diagnosed after the age of three years compared with those diagnosed before the age of one year. Although historically, most patients with retinoblastoma have undergone surgical intervention, a retrospective analysis suggested that survival outcomes were not significantly different for individuals who did not undergo surgery. After enucleation, it is crucial for providers to follow all patients for two years to monitor for orbital relapse. A retrospective study showed a 4.2% incidence of recurrence that occurred from one month to two years after enucleation, and 85% of those patients developed metastatic disease. A combination of intraarterial and intravitreal chemotherapy may increase the effectiveness of treatment with vitreous seeds. Intravitreal injection of melphalan in the treatment of vitreous seeds has shown a 68% complete remission rate during a 20-year period. Our facility uses a combination of intraarterial and intravitreal chemotherapy. Researchers found that this treatment combination results in fewer enucleations, fewer recurrences, and no difference in retinal function compared with using intraarterial management alone. Perioperative nursing considerations. The age and psychosocial development of the children being treated should influence the perioperative nurse's engagement with the child and the child's family in preparation for enucleation. An understanding of Erickson's stages of psychosocial development and Piaget's stages of cognitive development can help guide these interactions. At our facility, we encourage a parent or caregiver to be present as soon as possible after the procedure for an infant in Piaget's sensory motor stage, that is, less than two years old. Children in the preoperational development stage, that is, two to seven years old, may perceive illness and hospitalization as punishment for something they did wrong. The nurse should reassure the child in this age range that he or she has done nothing wrong and offer simple explanations. If the child is old enough, explaining binocular and monocular vision and how life will be different may be helpful. However, this education should emphasize that different is not bad. For example, there could be some fun for a young child in wearing a patch like a pirate. Explain again to the parents or caregivers how the child may have problems with depth perception and balance while adjusting to his or her new vision parameters. Depending on facility policy, children should be allowed to bring a favorite toy or object into the OR with them to reduce anxiety and provide comfort. Preoperative considerations for the perioperative nurse include a thorough history and physical assessment, 
patient and caregiver education, and determination of patient fears and the need for psychological support. Addressing children's questions or fears as they prepare for surgery can help reduce anxiety in this population. Support for parents to manage their own anxiety also is important because parental anxiety can influence the child's anxiety. During the preoperative assessment on the day of surgery, the perioperative nurse should direct specific questions about the child's health status to the child's parents or caregivers. Otherwise, he or she should make sure to speak directly to the patient, especially if the patient is a child and not an infant. It is important to keep in mind that although children are not small adults, they can still speak for themselves. The perioperative nurse should confirm which eye is to be removed and ensure the correct eye is marked and that the parents or caregivers and the surgeon agree on laterality. Before taking the patient into the OR, the RN circulators at our facility ensure they have all the necessary equipment and materials needed in the OR to support a successful enucleation, including iced saline to provide hemostasis after the eye is removed. If the patient is receiving an implant, the RN circulator makes sure the surgical team has the sizers available and an assortment of hydroxyapatite spheres or other eye implants, possibly including donor sclera. At our facility, the RN circulator visually confirms each item and, if appropriate, touches each container and ensures awareness of its location in the OR. He or she makes sure there are appropriate bandages available for a pressure dressing when the surgery is complete. Intraoperatively, patient safety is the perioperative nurse's main priority. During the timeout before the surgery begins, the RN circulator should again confirm with the surgeon the correct patient, procedure, and correct eye to be enucleated. Because most of these patients are infants, toddlers, or young children, the OR team should closely assess and monitor the patient's risk for hypothermia throughout the procedure. The OR temperature should be raised before the patient arrives. A pediatric underbody forced air warming blanket may be placed on the bed, and the patient should have uninvolved body parts covered with blankets or other warming devices. Age-appropriate considerations include avoiding placement of an IV in the preferred hand for children who suck their thumbs, ensuring parents are provided with frequent updates during the procedure can help reduce parental anxiety. Conclusion Retinoblastoma is a highly curable disease. However, the available treatment options can have a significant effect on the patient's vision and long-term psychosocial well-being. Although chemotherapy, including intraoperative intraarterial chemotherapy administration, are potentially vision-sparing approaches to treatment, enucleation remains the first-line option for patients with advanced metastatic disease and also may be indicated if vision-sparing treatments are unsuccessful. The perioperative nurse is integral to the management of this patient population. The perioperative nurse should educate patients and their families about the procedure and address the patient's and caregiver's anxieties. Providing age-appropriate education and interventions for the patient can support successful intraoperative and postoperative outcomes. <laughs>